Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another installment of The Salty Pastor. This is a ministry podcast for you to help encourage you in your faith and give you the skills to discern what is going on in this world today. It is also a great way to really connect with Foothills Christian Church, located in the beautiful <laughs> Boise, Idaho. It gives you an inside track on what we're teaching, what our ministry focus is all about, and how you can grow in your faith as part of our community. Let's welcome the brain trust of the Salty Pastor, Dr. <laughs> Douglas Peak, lead pastor of Foothills Christian Church for almost 25 years. Well, welcome to all of you as you join us today. This week we're going to be starting a brand new series titled Hashtag Blessed. And it's all about the book of Philippians. And I want to do this study because right now everybody seems to be stressed out. Everybody goes, oh my stress is just through the roof. So my question for all of you out there is, are you stressed out? And if so, what is your stress level? So if you want to send us an email or uh, find a way to communicate with us. I think you can throw it down on the comment section of the podcast. Is that how that works, Jesse? Yes, so the podcast, or if you're watching on YouTube, hello, YouTube world. Yes. Um, both have the ability to leave comments um, about this, so we would love to yeah. hear how you're feeling. Or, what, what's your stress level, and yeah, what are you stressed what's about? What's your stress level, and what are you stressed out about right yeah. now? Because people this. are really stressed. Absolutely. <laughs> So we're talking about stress. It's something I never deal with, but I can understand <laughs> how other people might have an issue with it. That is so not um, true. <laughs> stress and I have a codependent relationship, actually. I think we're, we're uh, inextricably tied together. <laughs> yes, you so are. Yes, yes. If, if I don't feel stressed yes. at least like 14 times a week, I think that there's something wrong. Like I start stressing myself out that I'm not that, stressed that you're not, Yeah, things, I see it sometimes. Which, I go, how are things going and you're like fine <laughs> it's, it's, it's everything's, everything's fine, fine. Uh, it's stressing me out everything's going well <laughs> it's like what's that uh from the italian job fine stands for freaked out yeah. insecure neurotic and yeah yes that's my anachronism so yes you do you you and stress are are very connected old <laughs> your old friends um but i do know stress that is something that a lot of people deal with yes. not just me not just and you. it Every seems day, yeah. to me that you know even though we know a lot about stress i can't seem to kick the habit of getting <laughs> stressed so hopefully this will hopefully you can shed yeah. some light on that well i think that's why this series is really going to hit the mark for so many people because more and more people are stressed out because of all the disruption that's going on uh, across the board and not only does the book of philippians actually address the issue of stress. It starts off with, you know, Paul, when he starts writing, he's saying, hey, I'm in a very stressful situation. We'll talk about that in a second. But what it does is it gives us the way he's processing all of this. And that really can uh, give us some answers on how to deal with stress in our lives and how to grow through it. So what makes the letter Paul wrote to the people living in the city of Philippi so appropriate for you and I and all of our listeners today. Well, I think we live in a world today that no longer uh, knows what true or authentic happiness is. And the Bible uses the word joy. Uh, bottom line is ideas matter. Ideas really matter. And our society has created narratives out of ideas. And these become perceptions. So people start perceiving the world around them through this lens. And then 
what their perceptions become cultural values. And it's very important to understand that all values have results or outcomes. It's you reap what you sow. So if you have a narrative in your head about your life, the data may change, but the conclusion is always the same. And so we talked a little bit about this in weeks past about postmodernism has infected everybody's thinking. And it's not what you're thinking. It's how you're thinking about it. That is the difference. And so because of that, we've we've missed the mark on finding true happiness, joy in life anymore. And one of the things is this, like case in point, and that is a narrative that's very, very popular in our society today. You see it in movies all the time. You see it uh, in articles. You see it in newspapers. You see it even in regards to uh, the Supreme Court you know, nomination process. And that's this, uh, that if you're really devoted to your faith, Christianity per se, then this is going to make you an intolerant, hateful, or a judgmental person. So that's the narrative that's being built. And so a lot of people are just reluctant to even consider being totally devoted to their faith. And even followers of Christ are reluctant to be all in 100%. You know, Pastor Harv addressed this issue in his message a couple weeks ago about most people want just enough Jesus. Right. And he goes, the problem with that is that you never really attain the fullness of everything that God promises. And Paul talks about the fullness of everything God promises in the book of Philippians. And what's really interesting is how these values influence our, our frame of reference and like, for instance, Gallup did a study with Healthways and they found that people who are really devoted to their faith, they, people who are very religious, tend to be the healthiest, happiest people in American society, which is exact opposite of the societal narrative that if you're all in, you're going to be some weirdo. Right. So this is a specific research, and I think you talked about this during the Best Way to Live series yes, as well, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that shows what the narrative the society propagates is the exact opposite of the reality research shows. Mm-hmm. And so how can we become even more happy people in the midst of such loss? Yeah, all the loss that we're experiencing yeah, right, right now. now yeah. that people are losing. I mean, even just today as we're recording this podcast, you know, teachers are doing another strike in the school, and parents are trying to deal with you know, yeah. having to figure out how to homeschool their kids when they thought they were going to have school. And it's like there's so much disruption, disruption and yeah. loss right now. How are they supposed to deal with that? Yeah, anytime there's big change, change always produces loss and loss always brings pain, you know, in one form or another. And that's stress. That's tons and tons of stress. Well, let's see what Paul has to say about it and how it applies to us. Now, I want to tell everybody when you uh, start a series with us, I challenge everybody, read the book as many times as you can. Uh, it's only four chapters long, and on on my YouVersion Bible app on my phone, you know, you can call up Philippians chapter 1, and then at the bottom is a little play button. You hit that, and it reads the the book to you. It'll is, just... Is it Morgan Freeman reading to me? No. But, no, it's, it's not Morgan Freeman. Yeah, it's still pretty good. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> so it's really cool. You know, I walk a lot, work out a lot, stuff like that, and, and so... 
you know, just listening to it. If you commute, if you are doing something, you know, sit down and just listen to it one chapter at a time. I think it takes approximately seven minutes for the guy uh, to read the chap one chapter. So listen to it as much as you can. It's really important because I think that it um, makes a huge difference in digging into what Paul has to say. Well, and that repetition of listening, hearing, or reading the book is really important because it lets us soak it in. We pick something up new every time. And since we're living in a media culture, so much goes in and out in the blink of an eye on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. It's that important that you really fill your mind with that stuff. Yeah, you got to slow down and just let it soak in to overcome all of these other narratives that are seeping into your brain constantly. So so how does Paul start off his letter to the Philippians, and why is this book about authentic happiness? Well, if you just read the uh, first chapter, I'm not going to read all the verses. I'm just going to pull out things. Is there, There's basically, you know, four, four sections. Here's the, here's the basic outline. Verses, once he says hello, verses 3 through 11 is simply Paul saying, I am super thankful for you. You know, verse three, I thank my God every time I remember you. You know, just think about that. Every time he thinks of them, he goes, oh, thank God I know these people and thank God that they're in my life. He then says, I always pray with joy. So whenever he's praying for him, he's really happy about it. If you go down to verse seven, he goes, I have you in my heart. You know, you start to see, wow, this is a different kind of way to start a letter right. for Paul. You know, usually, yeah, here's some problems over there and you got questions. Let's straighten you guys out. Let's get to business. Yeah, but Philippians, he's like, man, I love you guys. You're in my heart. I thank God. Verse eight, I long. You know, that word long is like, wow, I really desire. I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. So the first one is, is it starts off in these first you know, eight verses off the bat, bam, I love you guys. You're, I, I long for you. I have great affection. I'm thankful and joyful whenever I think of you. So, boy, you get a different flavor. Right. So right off the bat, you go, oh, wow. Paul here is going to talk about what makes him joyful and where all this happiness, authentic happiness comes from. Because right now he's in prison, right, as he's writing this? Yes, and that's the second thing is verses 12 through 18. He comes right off of verse 12. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So what happened to him? He's been arrested, okay? And he is actually, we believe, He's at that part after uh, where he went to Jerusalem and then he was arrested and then he went and he was in the governor's uh, in prison there for two years. Then eventually he was sent off to Rome. And so he says here real quick, the Praetorian guard has heard about the gospel. And so it's really amazing to see how even though he's been in chains, he says, for Christ, he says, Every I've been able to proclaim the gospel without fear. And when you go in the book of Acts and you read about when he was imprisoned at the governor's uh, mansion or governor's compound, Mm -hmm. you know, he was protected as a Roman citizen. But uh, he was able to preach the gospel without fear to the entire palace guard. And the palace guard is different than the normal soldiers or cops or whatever. These guys were the elite of the elite, the in charge. They're the ones who eventually become, 
you know, the the majors and the generals and all all that kind of stuff as it. Yeah. These guys tended to be people who were lifers or careerists or whatever. So anyway, long and short of it is he goes, look, I'm in prison. I'm in a bad way, but look at all the positive that's come out. So he's being honest about his situation. But look at all the positives because of it. So that's the second section. The third section is verses 18 through 26. And this is why he he explains, this is how I can be in prison and still rejoice. So he really gets into that. And what he does is he says, uh, uh, verse eight, end of verse uh, 18, he goes, I will continue to rejoice. I will rejoice again and again. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will ultimately deliver me. So that's a different perspective. When things go really, really bad, most people don't look at setbacks as opportunities for God to deliver them. They generally come to the conclusion that God doesn't like me because something bad is happening to me. Right. But it turns out in Paul's concept. Now, how did he have this attitude? Well, one of the most famous verses in the whole book of uh, Philippians. Well, there's a lot of them, but probably New Testament is this verse 21. Paul says for to me, in other words, for my perspective, my priority, the way I see my life, he says for to me to live is Jesus Christ and to die is gain. So that's really, he goes, if I go on living in this body, I can labor for Jesus because it's all about Jesus. But if I die and then I'm going to go be with Jesus. So he's like, no matter what happens to me, it's a win-win. And boy, that really. That's a huge mindset. That's a huge mind shift because most people are not looking at, you know, most people are, uh, even people who follow Christ, they are deathly afraid of getting COVID. They don't feel safe. And look, I'm all for being safe. You know, my mom is 89 years old. Well, not yet. Pretty soon on Veterans Day you in November. She's just been 24 for a very long <laughs> very, time. Very, very long time. She might yeah. listen to this. You got to be so careful. She's, oh, she does. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Shout out to my mom. Love you, Mom. Love you, Howard. And uh, but basically, you know, it's like, please, you know, be safe if you're in a vulnerable. Be safe, be safe, be safe. But there's a difference between being safe or being cautious and being afraid. Right. You know, and and what Paul is saying is that, look, if I stay alive, I'm doing stuff for Jesus, which I love. If I die, I'm with Jesus, which I love. So it's a win win. And, and I think that, you know, it's important for us to realize that because he understood his priorities and he understood the framework of his life. This is what allowed him, even in the midst of this situation to actually be joyful and happy even though he was in prison and then he goes on to say in verse 27 through 30 is that you can be thankful as well he says you know it's happened to me now it can happen to you as well so verses 27 through 30 he goes on no matter what happens always conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel he goes uh, I know you started firm in the spirit. You strive together. Uh, be one in the faith and the gospel. Don't be frightened in any way by those who oppose you. So there's going to be opposition, but don't be frightened of it. 
He goes, it has been granted to you, verse 29, on the behalf of Jesus Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Most people don't see suffering and setbacks as a gift. They see it as a thing. And I understand why, you know, because I don't necessarily initially feel good about it. But then when you look back, you realize that so much of what formed us and shaped us and brought convictions in our life were the difficult times. So... So they're really important that way. So this is kind of the basic outline of chapter one. And that is, is that, man, I really love you guys. I'm in a bad way, but I'm looking for the best and rejoice in what God is doing. And I can do that because I'm in a win-win situation and you can be in a win-win situation as well. So I'm really interested in this idea that verses like 19 through 26 um, are talking about how he can be authentically happy or, or joyful, I think, is the words that they utilize, while things are going to be difficult. So why do you think it's so hard for us to be happy when things don't go our way, unlike Paul? Well, I, I think the, the secret is what Paul actually said there when he goes in 21, he goes, for to me to live is Christ. In other words, the look, the way I look at my life is everything about it is to live for Jesus and if I die, I go and be with Jesus. And you see, he actually brings this up on other occasions, you know, um, in, in different forms, this, this principle. And I think the reason why it's difficult for us to find happiness is because most people never really clarify the point and purpose of their existence, you know, most people clarify goals for their life, right? Oh, I have this goal or I have a bucket list or I have other things, which, which is a, a good thing. But in the end, that doesn't ultimately allow you to discover authentic joy or happiness in any situation because you have to go deeper and further. You have to really I, uh, clarify the reason for your existence, which is a little different than having a bucket list, right? Right. It's a lot deeper. And it's that, you know, my point, my life is, is here in this reality for a purpose. Can I actually know what it is? Can I really clarify it that I'm not here to just take up space? I'm not just here to exist. I'm not here just simply because people are depending upon me. You know, I have responsibilities. A lot of these things are good. But that doesn't actually ultimately clarify the reason for your existence. Why did you come into existence? Mm. You know, why, why is it that you became a living soul when your parents, you know, gave birth to you and then became co-creators of life with God? Right? Right. So what's your reason for existence? And I think that's really what it is. Paul had clarified that. He said, I realize that my entire existence is a soul, a living soul, is to be with Jesus. So if I'm absent from him in the body, you know, uh, from heaven, I'm in this body and I'm absent from Jesus. Um, I get to serve him and he flows through me as I'm serving and living out this reality for my existence and if I die, if this shell ceases to beat, my soul goes on in eternity with Christ. So that's how. So because he clarified, he, he knew exactly why he was alive. He existed. Everything else was able to fall into place properly and give him the 
the secret to unlocking the mystery of perpetual joy. I mean, that's amazing because I just think it's so easy for us, especially these days. It's like you talked about this, you know, in a couple of the episodes before. It's like, especially us millennials, we're constantly struggling with why are we here? There's, mm-hmm. you know, our the suicide rate of my generation has skyrocketed, especially during COVID. And it's because mm-hmm. we're seeing a lack of purpose and drive to exist here. And you're saying having that discovery of why you're here, really understanding it is going to propel you leaps and bounds into this notion of true, authentic happiness or joy. Yeah. And I I think, you know, what what we've been, everybody has been trained. I was even trained to do this, you know, uh, when I was in school and that is, is to be deconstructionists. And so what we do is most of us basically go through life saying, well, I don't want to be that guy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, I don't want to be that guy. Uh, like, like right now there's a bunch of memes on the internet, you know, and that is, is if you're a woman that is acting inappropriately or weird or rude, you call her Karen, right? Mm-hmm. So nobody wants to be a Karen. So everybody make it, everybody, you know, acts weird is a, is, is a Karen kind of a thing. Um, prior to that in college, the meme was this, you know, uh, don't be a Chad. You know, right. Chad was the, the frat boy who f- was entitled and got everything he wanted yeah. and every, yeah, yeah. drove around his little beam, BMW 325i or whatever. So they made fun of that. Uh, when you're in a party and, you know, it's like, don't be that guy or don't be that girl. And so you go up thinking, I don't want to be that, right? What you don't realize is, like I said, postmodernism is a way of thinking. It's not what you think. So you're thinking, I don't want to be that guy. But what you're actually doing is you're thinking in a way that is fearful. I, the, how I'm thinking is I identify things I don't want to be. And so now I am fearful of being perceived those ways. So I might become those ways. And so your, your thought process, right, how you think about it, puts you in a place of perpetual dissatisfaction. Well, and it's almost the same thing too where the deconstructionism is you know one part of my life isn't great right now so my whole life sucks because like, <laughs> yes. yeah we had talked about you know when you deconstruct things it's you take you find one thing that's wrong and that that causes everything to be wrong about that one thing so right it gives you the ability to just justify okay this thing doesn't work so the whole thing needs to just be thrown out and so yeah. I think that happens as well too as you know this part of my life isn't perfect it's not Facebook postable right now i can't put this in front of all my friends or whatever so therefore my life has no purpose and is not worth living because not all of the parts are in place Mm -hmm. and yeah and i think you see this a lot and this is why my heart breaks for millennials is you really see it in millennials and how they struggle with relationships and finding authentic love right they really struggle with that because of what you just said uh you i see two extremes right I see people who go into relationships uh, with one foot out, 
You know what I'm saying? They're they're ready to bail at any given right. second. I'm not fully committed. I, yeah. I have the escape cord for my parachute. Yeah, I want to try and, and and you try. You know, they try it in everything. You know, it's like, well, uh, let's let's live together. Let's try, but not get married. Let's you know, let's sleep together. Let's have sex together. Let, let's try that, or let's try this, or let's try that. And you know, I, I appreciate their willingness to try all these things, but the problem is, is that they're trying them out of fear. See, because they think postmodern. That's how they think. And they don't, now, if you were to tell them that, they look at you like you're crazy. You know, they look at me like fear. I, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll try anything. I'll jump out of a plane. Yeah. You can't tell me yeah. I'm afraid. You can't tell me I'm afraid. I'll date anybody. And so then you ask him like four or five really in-depth questions. And then they go, oh, you know. And see, that's what Satan does. He doesn't ever want us to think deeply. Just like Paul there, what did he do? Is he really clarified his reason for existence? He went deeper, deeper than just, well, I have goals or I have a bucket list or I have a dream. He went really deep. And that's that, and because most people don't aren't going deep. Uh, and so what happens is the one side of it is, is that they go into relationships with, you know, and as soon as, like you said, they see one thing wrong, oop, I'm out. Red flag, oop. But then here's what's really interesting is I see the opposite of that, too. I see a lot of of guys and gals go into relationships that are so toxic and so unhealthy and they just hang on no matter what, you know. But my CDs are in his truck. I have to stay <laughs> with him until I get my CDs back. Yeah. Not that it's anyone just, uses CDs anymore, I don't think. I think everyone's on their phones. But that was the excuse back then. <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> so so what I do is, is, is so what, what, is the, what do these two extremes do because of the way we think is that it robs people of the capacity to build healthy relationships and loving relationships and committed relationships that are deep and rich and full. They're never perfect, right? But they also know when they start to slide into toxic, because every relationship has the potential, you know, to slide into a toxic rut. And the thing is, is when you see that, you got to, whoa, let's, let's get it back on track. Let's, let's stay out of toxicity because you have two imperfect people, right? And these two imperfect people, sometimes their imperfections line up. And when two imperfections and people line up, you create toxicity. Right. Okay. So the key is not that that will never happen. The key is how do we recognize it, heal it, correct it, and move forward. And not be passive about it, right? Yeah. You put oh, it on cruise control. Otherwise, yeah. that's when you drift off into the burrow pit. And, and see, the passive-aggressive behavior is the number one thing that people under 45 years of age deal with is passive-aggressive behavior. There, there's so many people are passive-aggressive. And this is because of deconstructionism. A lot of people never made this connection. And we'll talk more about this on on Thursday. But the issue is this, is that I want because I don't want to be that guy or I don't want to be that gal, you know, so I'm going to I'm going to work really, really hard to make myself perceived by others that I'm not that I'm not that. So they use very, you know, vague, vague, the kind of language. But then deep inside, they have these emotions and they come out. And and because you're denying your feeling a certain way or you're recognizing stuff, then what happens is those emotions are there. They're not dealt with. They come out and they predominantly come out in depression and anxiety. Hmm. So passive aggressive tendencies are very they correlate with depression and anxiety. So 
until until people can find the freedom to walk out of that. And Paul's giving us the answer right here. And he says, look, verses 12 through 18 is where you really need to dig down and find out that um, things may not be going good right now, but it's an opportunity for Christ to set me free or deliver me. Right. Mm -hmm. And it might be deliver me from some of my bad emotional habits or ways of thinking. You know, and then 19 through 26 really says, okay, once you're freed from that, you can really drill down on the very golden nuggets of what brings perpetual happiness and joy. And we're going to dig into some of the research on this on Thursday. Well, I think we've covered quite a lot already. I'm Mm -hmm. pretty excited for our study in Philippians. Like even just what we've talked about today is already speaking to obviously my codependent relationship with stress <laughs> and, and a lot of other things. But I think, you know, we're coming up on Thanksgiving and yeah. uh, adjusting our mindset to mm-hmm. find that attitude of gratitude yeah. is I think really important these days. And I did want to invite people. So f- you are actually inviting uh, the listeners and the congregation to participate in hashtag blessed in kind of a unique way. You've asked them a question mm-hmm. um, that you would like them to film a response on their phone and then yeah, submit it quick. on our, either our app, the Foothills Boise app. There's a button at the top or on our website, there's a little banner you can click and you can submit your, your video of what you are missing right now. Yeah. The first question the is, you know, with everything going on, what do you miss most? You know, I've already got a couple responses and one of them is we miss going to church. It, it was a, a couple uh, they're in a vulnerable population and she's, you know, uh, her, her immune system is really weak because she's going through cancer treatments. And she says the thing we miss more than anything else is just coming and seeing other believers and being there in person. You know, we watch every week on Sunday, but we just miss being there and they can't right now because of COVID. So yeah, if you have an answer to that question, just super quick, just shoot it out there, you know? Yeah. We would love those videos. Again, you can submit it on the, on the Foils Boise app or on the website, um, just straight from your phone after you filmed it. It's super easy. And we would love you guys to help participate in kind of this crowdsourcing of pastor doug's sermon on yes come be a part um other than that we just thank you guys so much for joining us thursday we're going to dive even deeper into chapter one of philippians and make sure you're leaving those five-star reviews share this with people um there's no better way to get Mm -hmm. you know some of these myths busted in our lives especially people that are struggling with these stress and things send this to the most stressed out person you know (laughs) i'm feeling like i'm gonna get a lot of emails (laughs) later today (laughs) okay but all right um, yeah and keep uh subscribing to our youtube channel as well yeah because that helps the algorithm Mm -hmm. get this out so thank you guys so much for joining us and we will see you on thursday (laughs) blessings everyone